Hey, it's red. It's red. Got it. Forgot to turn the button on again. <laughs> what is up, everybody? Welcome back. It is a Tuesday, every other Tuesday, and you guys are watching the Orion Podcast. I'm Chad Brock, and I'm Zach Baylor. Welcome to our little show. What is up, everybody out there in Orion land? Welcome back to the channel. A little different background this uh, this week. We've got the Kusa X background left over from last last night's live cast and Thursday night's future live cast um, about the Kusa X. So check us out on Doc Talk for Thursday night's big discussion. Kusa X. See, like people bailing out. They're like, I thought this was going to be a Kusa X podcast. And it's that dude with the beard. He's wearing a <laughs> Bogging today inside um yeah, yeah it's called just walked my dog um but yeah big things this week man big launches big parties yeah um, a lot of product launches this week i like that jason cassie cold as ice in orion outside that it is my <laughs> friend. that it is <laughs> oh man so what do you got going on dude it's been a minute yeah just scrambling trying to fill whitetail tags right now um, I guess since the last time we were on here, I made a trip to Indiana, just struggled to get deer in front of me. Um, conditions weren't great, but with the rut going on, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, put eyes on a few young deer, a few does, nothing in range. Um, I did see one that was probably an 11 or a 12. Uh, he just, he come down off a a holler on a neighboring farm down into the bottom across the creek, got him a drink and then uh, moved on off the other direction and had no interest in my grunt calls. So it was cool to put eyes on him. Uh, probably the most mature thing I've seen thus far. I got out last weekend here in Pennsylvania for a little urban sit and watched a little two and a half year old and a few of his does kind of hang around on the hillside for a while. And he had no interest in what I had to say either. So, he had three does and the fact that he had three does with him tells me there's not a whole lot of competition in that area. The, the buck to doe ratio is probably a little lopsided and he doesn't have to fight real hard. So just going to give it another swing here in PA this weekend. And then it's home to Indiana for Thanksgiving and a few more sits in the, in the woods back home. So just and, and shout out to the one and only Chris Cooper. If you're watching tonight, man, that's yeah. a great deer. Great, deer. that was a good, that was a good buck. He hunted his tail off in Illinois. Yes, he so. did. He made an effort at it. And shout out to Nick Brummett, our yeah, our extra, our other camera guy. That when we're out doing our own little filming stuff here in Indiana, tags around us. He got a heck of a buck. Yeah, a little buck and a doe combo there at twenty yeah, twenty five yards. Twofer. twofer. He's probably back fishing now. No, we ain't fishing right now. I can promise you that. <laughs> It's a mild, mild 29. But good news, the humidity will be 53% tomorrow. Oh, nice. But it's only going to be 39. So there's that. Yeah. Well, hopefully I have some of the luck soon, here soon, that our uh, our guest and I just had here lately. He's he's had a heck of a run these last couple of weeks. Why don't you introduce our guest? Tell us, yeah. about, tell us about our guest tonight, Zach. Well, first and foremost, he's a family man. He's got his wife and four kids up there in Nebraska. Uh, he's got a heck, heck of a cool career. He gets to travel around and shoot some cool events through the lens of his camera. 
He also enjoys sitting in a tree stand once in a while when he can. Welcome tonight, Adam Bender. What's happening, fellas? <laughs> I got this button, Adam, and I hit it from time to time. Just Got it. <laughs> I've threatened to take it away from him, but he's too far away. <laughs> Noted. What is going on tonight, man? Not much. Running around the house, taking care of kids, and it was bath night. So got all that done so I could be here. <laughs> uh, well, we appreciate it. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be touch and go whether or not they they listen and everybody stays upstairs because bedtime's coming up. So we'll see. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I know. I know the feeling. I know the feeling. I'm a couple hours ahead of you, so I yep. actually had to go up and uh, defuse a fight between the two year old and the four year old. Oh yeah. A minute ago, before coming down, the two year old had bit the four year old. So that's uh, good times. Always a fun. Always a fun one. <laughs> it will not be your last. I can promise no. you. No. No, the young ones will spit fire. So they get bigger and it turns into bigger fights. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's yeah. a fact. So right, drag them out in the, tell them to go out in the yard, settle it out in the yard. That's what my wife's dad used to do. Yep. <laughs> it gets so dark though now. Like I get home from work at 5 30 and it's pitch dark and mm-hmm. uh, can't, yep. can't send them outside. Like normally they are outside until it's like time to come in, but. Right. It's so dark now and homework and as yeah, Zach, it's just, as Zach knows we got gymnastics one night, then we got CCD yep. another night. There's it's just yep. always something. And then we have four kids, it's like volleyball. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had gymnastics have, have tonight. Four kids, they said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had gymnastics tonight and dance this Thursday. And yeah, it's it's nonstop. Yeah, I've only got I've only got two. I I was smart enough to stop there. So. <laughs> uh, I'm a glutton. Well, Adam, that. it's yeah, yeah. Well, you I mean you got a boy this last time, so I did. I gambled. I gambled three. <laughs> you know, I thought it was going to be like baseball, like three strikes, you're out. Three outs, yeah. you take the field. But yeah, we played with fire, and fourth one got that boy. There you go. There you go. Awesome. Boys applaud you for taking that gamble there's you know yeah. a lot of people you know they'll call it at the at the three and say well yeah best effort but no <laughs> hey, sometimes you gotta go yep that's a fact go for the gold a braver man than i <laughs> it's uh man it's awesome to have you here tonight i know you and i have chatted a lot just back and forth through instagram and i think probably when i got turned on to just who you were and kind of being around was 2019 when Sounds Evan Williams right. and myself, uh, we had, we had taken a couple bulls out in Colorado and he whipped out that pals coin mm-hmm. and, uh, wanted a couple of photos with that to send over to you. And we kind of got to chatting and stuff. And I was like, well, this, this, this needs to be a guy that I need to, to kind of bring in the people I pay attention to. So it's, uh, it's great to finally get to sit down and chat. Likewise. Appreciate the opportunity and, Hopefully, I got a few nuggets of uh, information to hopefully entertain the audience and yourselves. Dude, it'll be better than anything that Zach and I can have to say. So just know that there's only a few people that watch this, mainly our moms. Yep. And the guy that could probably fire us. Um, That's that's how that goes. Um, So let's kind of get into this thing. And why don't you give us a little backstory? Um, it's one of the things we like to do on the Orion podcast. Get a little backstory. Um, kind of tell us how you got into hunting, um, how you found your love for the outdoors. Yeah. I mean, mine probably sounds like everybody else. You know, my dad, um, I grew up in a rural community and uh, hunting, fishing. That's all we did. And uh, ever since I was old enough to walk, you know, I was always had ambitions to be outside with my dad and if i couldn't find my dad i was trying to find him and you know what what he tells me and what i can kind of remember when i was about three i started walking crp fields with him uh trudging through for for roosters in nebraska back when we had pheasants um but yeah i mean i i was i was that kid who eats sleep breathe hunting and fishing and uh you know had no idea that someday it would turn into a career and what i do now um you know, I always thought back, you know, when everybody's 12, 14 years old, you're watching hunting TV and watching Ted Nugent on public access and things like that. You're like, man, I want to do that someday. And then, uh, yeah, lo and behold, by the time I was 25, I was 
I was on Eastman's hunting TV and uh, running their magazines and hunting on TV and going all over the world, chasing those guys with the camera. And it's, uh, yeah, it's been crazy, but yeah, my, my love for the outdoors all stemmed from my dad and my family. I mean, hunting and fishing were what we did. And when we weren't hunting and fishing, we were, you know, camping and it's just everything we did was was outside and that's kind of like zach said it's it's who i am today and that's what me and my wife and kids that's all we do is hunt fish so uh very much an outdoors related family going back all the way to my my wife is from a uh, cattle farm in uh, east central nebraska and same thing you know she spent all of her time outside so natural match made in heaven the our last we're the last true generation that played outside that's a fact and i'm trying my best to buck that with my kids but uh yeah you wouldn't believe it like you know boy you would believe it pulling my kids out of school to go hunting and i tell them like i tell the office they just got an appointment but then we get there and you know they're like my dad shot a deer this morning and they're like what (laughs) and uh it's so crazy you know because living in lincoln nebraska it's you know big um metropolitan area of nebraska and it's like you just you know kids in these huge schools now don't talk about hunting and fishing you know whereas when i grew up you and all of your five six best friends that's all you did and now today it's like my kids are now the outliers you know Mm -hmm. that's right i I, they wear it with pride yeah yeah i can i can remember just getting on the bike man and you just ride a couple miles go see your buddies i mean if you wanted to like go to your buddy's house or whatever it wasn't like call and set up an appointment you just yep jumped on a pedal bike and you went yeah grab the rods hit the creek just you know do whatever you could do to stay outside life was a lot simpler back then that's for sure that's we just didn't truth. care <laughs> we just didn't care <laughs> no, we didn't line. know any different didn't know yeah. any different there was a lot lot fewer screens there than there is now that's I mean, yeah, I'm you guys remember three. getting your first computer? Like, in I oh, remember yeah. like vividly getting yeah. this huge. It was a big gateway. <laughs> yeah, well, the in, screen was like this big, yeah. and the body was like this. Yeah, big. and it had like a big tower. I mean, I will yeah. I'll never forget the first computer my family got, and like that was back when like you got on the internet and it was. Eh! Oh <laughs> yeah, that and like man, like now today, and my kids are like boop on their iPad, and they got you know whatever. Yeah. It's like, man. I'm making myself sound old, but it's like, geez, yeah. was it really that long ago that that's how far we've come? Right. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, I didn't know what fast internet was till I went to college in Indianapolis. Yep. And I was like, oh, yeah. I don't have dial up anymore. This is great. Yep. <laughs> old dial up internet. Yeah. Remember when they mailed Netflix? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like, what? Yep. Yeah. They mailed it to your house. Yeah, I was oh. just having a conversation with my grandma last weekend, and she was like, I've got a bunch of old like videos of my papa and stuff like that. She's like, I need to, to have them put on a CD so that I can keep... I'm like, mamaw, CDs are not a thing anymore. Nope. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a step backwards at this point. Yeah, for sure. So, growing up in Nebraska, I mean, that's epic, number one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a good place to be. But, you know, traveling around the world, I mean, you've done some pretty epic things. You know, you've, it's November 1st, number one. Let's, let's start here. It's November 1st, first, <laughs> second. Well, I don't know what it is. It's the first couple it's, weeks of November. Today's the 15th. <laughs> I launched a boat. So Adam, forgive me. I've launched a boat this week. Yep. And it's my equilibrium's out of balance. Gotcha. Um, How's deer season going, dude? It was, There's, let's long story short. How's deer season going? It was it was real good. Um, I uh, killed a deer in Iowa um, with my bow, and then uh, then I just Saturday night uh, shot a buck here in Nebraska on a rifle tag with my kids. So in a matter of a week, filled two tags. Um, definitely haven't had that run of luck in a long time. <laughs> I still got a bow tag here in Nebraska uh for archery but uh don't know it'll fill it i kind of after about this time of year i i'm kind of leaving be you know done being mad at him and now i'll switch to ducks (laughs) and geese uh we got this cold snap now and ducks and geese showing up like crazy and kind of get mad at the green from now on but yeah i had a had a great deer season it was you know short but uh iowa man 
special, special place. You know, I've heard about yeah. Iowa. I've got tons of buddies in the outdoor industry. I've all hunted Iowa on a regular basis, it seems. And I never had in, in uh, 2015. I was I was hosting a guy um, out in California on a trip on a boar hunt. And uh, he's we're just BSing one day. And he's like, you like hunting deer? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, he's like, he's like, uh, you ever hunted Iowa? And I'm like, no. Nah. And, um, you know, doing what I do for a living, like very connected in the whole outfitting world and all that stuff. Um, you know, I guess I just never really explored it. I'm like, man, I live in Nebraska, whatever. But, uh, he's like, just start getting some points when you draw, call me. So, uh, yeah, six years later, I finally, you know, draw the tag and, uh, call him up and I said, Hey, is that offer still stand? He's like, yeah, absolutely. Come on over. And, uh, it was so great, you know, cause he's just a good old boy farmer. Um, I would, you know, not very technologically advanced. And I'm asking him like, all right, give me like, do you got Onyx? How do I find your farms? I want to like visually scout them, you know, before I get there. And he's right. like, Adam, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm the fourth generation here. I've lived here every day of my life. I know where the deer are. Just show up. And I'm like, <laughs> there you go. Okay. Well, he, he appeased me and he's like, just go to the, this County that he was in GIS and type in my last name and tell me what you see. And I did, and I typed it in, and I'm like, oh, I'm like, I'm like looking all around, and so I'm screenshotting him, and I'm texting him to him. I'm like, can I hunt all this? He's like, yeah, everything you see this on there, that's that's ours, or it's my brother's, or whatever. Nobody else is gonna hunt it but you. Um, so super busy. Try and fast forward this, but you know, with what I do, uh, it's. Uh, a lot of work, a lot of travel. Um, so I didn't mm -hmm. exactly have a ton of time to go over. So I bombed over there middle of October and hung up some cameras and based off his recommendations. And but I kid you not, I was driving home uh, from Iowa and I got a photo of a deer bigger than any other deer I've ever gotten in Nebraska in my life. <laughs> road trip. And it's oh, like, man. I'm not even home. These cameras ain't even soaked for 12 hours. And I got a bigger right. deer than I've ever seen. So fast forward a couple of weeks, uh, man, it's just crazy. You hear about all these bucks and you, you just, you hear like age, you know, everybody talks about how just these deer just, there's older. And I know there's the whole myth of around every tree, there's 180 or 200 inch deer and whatever. And a lot of people think that, but just the age class of deer and the, and the, the not even necessarily antler size but just a deer that i was seeing on camera i'm like man i got it get over there soon so naturally like i said he's a big farmer and um get get over there and and obviously first thing i ask is like where are you at with harvest and he's like well he's like i'm probably 50 percent done he's like but around that farm that you're on he's like i don't i haven't pulled out any corn and i'm like oh yeah. uh, that's that's not what i wanted to hear um and i'd kind of noticed that as the rut was starting to pick up, I'm like, I was seeing less and less deer on camera. And I'm like, man, this, this is not good. Like late October, it was fire. I mean, we right. were getting bucks hitting scrapes every day, multiple <laughs> times a day. And then right about the first week of November, it just kind of like switched. And yeah. any rate, I got over there. Uh, it's not a big epic story. Got over there on a Saturday, uh, walked in that afternoon because uh, I drove over in the morning um, and I bumped a hot dough with four bucks and four bucks all bedded <laughs> right by her and i just wanted to like crawl and you know my sleeping bag and cry myself to sleep because one of them was one of my big shooters and they all yeah. four just bounded away on this doe sat the rest of that night didn't really see much seen a couple yearlings and whatever and um ended up going the next day so it was november what was that sixth the next sunday morning and uh got into that stand and man just got one of those rut hunts that like when everything it this was after that cold spell and where it was real real windy you know 10 yeah. days ago it was super windy and that wind finally laid down that sunday morning and man it was just like a bow hunter's dream um little bucks cruising grunting chasing does and fawns and uh knowing what I had known and with the corn situation, I'm like, man, there's just, there's not a lot of bucks on this property right now that are daylighting or that are coming through my funnels. So, uh, seeing this little buck go down a Creek on the other side and he heads down and out of the bedding area comes this old buck. Um, he was a busted up eight point and, um, and I knew who he was, had pictures of him and man, it was like one of those things you could just see, like you knew what was coming because he's heading right at him. He's coming out, he sees him. 
And uh, sure enough, they they square up. The buck, the busted up buck, pushes this buck off the creek and throws him down into the water. Uh, <laughs> snort wheezes at him. I mean, it's just like you're getting the the bow hunting. Oh yeah, like, man, this is what you live for. And uh, the buck standing there, it's cold, and he's breath is panting, and I just hit him with one grunt, and he just whips his head 180 degrees, looks at me, and he's looking at me in his ears, and he can tell he's trying to now he's trying to hone in on where it's coming from. So right. I gave a couple tending grunts, um, like it was a buck chasing a doe and he literally pinned both ears back and just came and started walking on a beeline. I mean, if there were sticks or brush, he didn't care. He walked right through it, crossed this creek, comes up the other side, pops out in front of my stands. So he's a hundred and 175 yards. When I seen him, he pops up at 40 yards through the CRP and I'm like, like this is, and I'm in my head. I'm like, okay. I know he's not a giant Iowa, you know, that you see all over social media and seems like everybody kills him. But I'm like, <laughs> all right, I'm like, that's a good deer. He's a mature deer. Yeah. I know he's, I know he's five plus just because his face is so short and his body's huge. I'm mm-hmm. like, man, uh, if, if he does it right, I'm going to arrow him. And 40 yards, he's looking around, he's trying to figure out where it's coming from and I'm ready to go. And man, he just literally pins his ears back, eyes go white, bristles all up and just comes in and does the, I call it the drunken sailor walk and he walks right into my shooting lane, gets to 16 yards. I hit him with a mat. He doesn't stop. And I'm like, and I had to be a little louder because he was, you could tell he was so pissed oh, off yeah. looking for a fight. 16 yards, bury the pin, shoot, passes right through. And this is like the craziest thing. Like this is like the deer in the rut are just so amazing. When you catch a mature buck that's in this mood, I mean, buck just got shot right through both lungs. He goes two steps and just stands there like, and he's looking around and I'm like, I just pinwheeled like this deer. Happened. I mean, my, my Luminoc is gro- glowing right there. I'm like, what is going on? And, uh, yeah, he just, he goes, <laughs> and I seen some blood come out of his nose. I'm like, man, he's dead on his feet yeah. and walked 20 yards, tipped over dead. And, uh, it was a good deer. I mean, it was just textbook and I, you know, some buddies and industry acquaintances were like, man, why would you shoot that deer? And I'm like, here I get to <laughs> Iowa. And I'm like, hey, A, I got four kids. V, right. I have a very busy career. Uh, yeah. I got one of the best bow hunts that I can remember to date as far as action goes. And yeah. I'm like, I'm absolutely tickled pink to, to put my tag on that buck. I mean, it's just to make a perfect shot and have him shot him at 16, died at 44. It's like, right. you just can't draw it up any better than that. And it was like, it was no. the perfect bow hunt. In my eyes, and like I told a lot of people that asked me, they're like, "What's he score? What's he score?" And I'm like, "Man, it don't matter to me. Like, what whatever that buck scored really is so erroneous to what I saw. Like, nobody yeah. saw what I saw in that tree that morning. Like, nobody mm-hmm. can experience it. There's no photos of it. There's no videos of it. Only I saw that, and that's why I shot that deer. And could yeah. I have held out and you know spent four, five, six, seven, eight days there? Absolutely. Um, but it's kind of one of those things that when you're in that tree and it all lines up, it's like you live in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's all about the experience, you know, I mean, trophy's not always in the antler size. Like you said, he was a five plus year old deer, which to me is as much a trophy as anything, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just, just getting on a mature buck of that age is such a challenge when it comes to hunting whitetails to begin with. And then to top it all off, you know, you get to see him bust up another little buck and he comes in all stiff legged and, and ready to whoop somebody else and you know just the whole thing just came together the way it was supposed to yeah and not only is. that a big eight's awesome anyway so. <laughs> yeah i'm a sucker for big eights i mean the only yep. thing better was a big 10 but uh right. then i got home from nebraska and then i shot a big 10 uh so yeah. it worked out so i got the big eight then i got the big 10 and the big 10 was with my kids uh that this buck no history with him whatever just a new buck showed up on a tiny little piece of property that i got permission to hunt and told my kids and uh, I'm like, we'll, be, we'll go out there. We'll try and get him. And yeah, just one of those things that if you believe in a higher power, it was meant to be because there's no right. reason we should have killed this deer. Uh, <laughs> we were late. We were loud. I had a three-year-old little girl taken on her first time hunt. This is her first time hunting and her big yeah. sister who's nine, who's hunted with me since she was about her age and uh, get this blind all set up and, you know, get, get everything done. I pull out into the field, pop up a blind. It's three forty-five, and sundowns in an hour and 20 minutes. And, uh, 
sure enough, we get in the blind, I get them all situated and everything's going good. And Doe walks out and I'm like, man, there's got to be a buck. And then sure enough, that, that 10 point pops out behind her. And, you know, my kids just got the show of all shows. I mean, it's only a hundred yards. They can see it with their naked eyes. Right. And my little, my little three-year-old, she's like, dad, are we going to take him? I'm like, yep. I'm like, we're going to take him. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just to do that with them, man. I mean, yeah, I've killed bigger deer, but I think as far as passing it on, um, which if anybody knows me, that's, that's kind of my mantra and the future right. of hunting and fishing. And like, I wanted, it's not always about getting something, but I think that mm-hmm. when you're with kids that are at a very impressionable age, like a little three-year-old, if right. you can get something, boy, it just makes it stick that yeah, much better. C- cements it in their memory. For I sure. mean, if it was a doe, I had a doe tag too. So I was totally prepared, but I'm like, I told my, my, my nine-year-old that she's like, dad, we, we got a doe tag too. I'm like, yep. I said, but you know, it's the rut, honey. There's gotta be a buck. She ain't by herself. And yeah, uh, yeah he came out and yeah, it was awesome. It was He's... definitely one of those moments you love to be a dad. Cause you just, you, to watch it through their eyes, you know, and see the excitement and the questions and the wonder and, you know, yeah, that smell and all those things, you know, it's like right. all those, all those moments that you remember growing up, given to, you know, your dad and uncles and grandfathers and stuff like that. When you get to be on the receiving end of that, man, there's nothing better. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, my four-year-olds just recently started asking, she wants her own bow. <clears throat> she wants to go out and she wants to go hunt. And she's like, but I don't want to cut them up because the knife's too sharp for me. She said, and I said, well, that's fine. I'll take care of that part. <laughs> don't you worry. There you go. But, uh, <clears throat> you know, it, it's funny. Cause I, I really didn't expect her being more of the girly girl to have any interest in it. But just here lately, she started showing some and I was like, man, I wish I had a blind just to get her out in the field, you know, when the does come out at night to feed and stuff. And yeah, I can't, can't wait to get out there and share that experience with them for sure. And I don't remember what we were doing. I, I flipped open Instagram and saw your story and the, the big <laughs> cheesy grin on your three-year-old's yeah. face was hysterical. <laughs> the best thing is, the best thing is, like I said, my kids have been hunting with me ever since they were little and I've been taking them and making them a part of it. So my, my nine-year-old, she's like, dad, can I put that buck in my room? Because her and her <laughs> seven-year-old sister, they got turkey fans, beers, uh-huh. they got European mounts, they got skull plates all in their room. And the three-year-old Skyler for the back seat goes, what? And I'm like, I'm like, what? Like, I didn't know she was listening. Right. And, uh, she's like, that's my buck. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> So now the three-year-old is the three-year-old's getting this deer. My buddy's doing a European for me and uh, she's going to get in her room and boy, she's going to be proud as a peacock. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's funny. They're always listening. (laughs) They're never not listening. (laughs) Even when they're 22, they're still eavesdropping and listening. Let me tell you guys, that's what you got to look forward to. Uh, Oh yeah. My nine-year-old, she's going on 19. So I, uh, I very much know what you're saying there. Yeah. We talk about passing it on, obviously, you know, raising the kids in the outdoors and everything. You're huge into conservation as well. What have, what's been some of your goals and, you know, as far as trying to get more active in that realm of things on the conservation side and, you know, making a difference either, you know, state or nationally, Mm -hmm. um, just with some of the things that are going on. Yeah. So, I mean, outside of, outside of work, you know, so what I, what I do, I mean, I guess I should say that is, you know, I run the signature events program for Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's Club. What I do is I put together hunting and fishing trips all over the world for our customers and then Mm -hmm. myself, and then one of the four guys on my team uh, host all of those trips. So from Asia to New Zealand, to Alaska, to Argentina, to Greenland, Iceland, Europe, Spain, you name it, we go there Mm -hmm. and uh, put together high-end trips um, for these customers. And and one thing that's been really neat for me is a couple of years ago, back in 2019, we started what we call the conservation experience with with Ivan Carter, who I'm sure you're familiar is a world-renowned professional hunter. Um, Mm -hmm. Did a lot of it when Shockey was doing a lot in Africa and stuff like that. You often saw uh, Ivan Carter and He's now, uh, you know, transferred. He still still does professional hunting, but does a lot on the conservation front. And uh, we became good friends. And when he found out what I do uh, with Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's and kind of this club member and how they want to go out and do these cool, cool things, he's like, what if we put together like a conservation experience? 
So got these four club members together. They funded this whole thing. They paid a lot of money, went over to Mozambique, and we flew around in helicopters and darted elephants and sable and zebra and reed buck and uh, fit them for collars to basically uh, monitor their GPS, monitor their movements, understand better science and data. Uh, because as we know, you know, science and data and stuff like that, it's, it's the foundation of conservation when it comes to anti-poaching and stuff like that right. over there. So that trip really like foundationally changed me because when it's one thing to continue to, you know, tear out your check and send it off to RMEF, DU, Pheasants Forever, all that stuff. But really where mm-hmm. the rubber met the road for me was when we physically got to go put our hands on these animals and actually do the work. So not only fund it, but then do the work. And, uh, that, that trip alone really lit. I mean, I always thought about conservation, but I thought about it from the lens of like everybody else, like you got to belong to these organizations, which you absolutely do. But I've, I started to search for more ways, like what else can we do? And it's kind of one of those things. And, you know, Zach, I know you've saw a lot, a lot of my posts and maybe some of my rants, you know, around, <laughs> I always take the time to read them. <laughs> yeah. I get a lot of crap. I get a lot of crap for, for those long books, but man, I, bet, I, um, I bet it's one of my things. It's just, I'm, I, I've always had a way with words and I enjoy writing and things like that. So that's, that's how I get it out there. But you know, hashtag conservation versus conservation are two very different things. And right. you know, a lot of people want to put hashtag conservation on all their posts today, you know, because that's the that's the virtue signal way of saying, hey, I'm, I'm making a difference towards conservation. And I think that collectively we're just, we're falling short. We're, we're a lot of talk, not enough action. And for me, and I understand that not everybody has kids, but that's why I'm so outspoken about the kids. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you want to make a difference, there's your easiest and uh, best entry point right there. You know, a $13 Zebco 301 fishing combo from Walmart and a panfish box, and you can fundamentally change a kid's life. Um, yep. And that's that's just to me, it's like it's so easy. Uh, but at the same time, it takes a lot of takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of time, uh, takes mm-hmm. access. You know, you look at all the things that we're up against when it comes to conservation and the challenges we face uh, with getting people into hunting and fishing. They're all very real. Uh, like you said earlier, Chad, it's like life was simpler back then. You could walk up to a, a guy's house and shake a hand and you could go hunt his 40 out back. Yep. You know, now mm-hmm. today it's like, well, yeah, but what will you pay me? Because, uh, yep. you yeah. know, it's worth money. Yep. Um, so, yeah, those days, those days are gone largely. Uh, still happens. And, will, and will you sign this waiver? Yep, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a very real thing. So, you know, I think it's just... Um, the, the nature of where we are as hunters and anglers, um, you, you, you patrol social media and you just, you see all these different takes on it. Um, and I, I think everybody likes to sing Kumbaya and put hashtag conservation on their post because, you know, that's the, the best way to signal that you stand for this. And, and, and I agree. And I, and I, and I understand where people are coming from. They mean well, but mm-hmm. I think what we have to really rip the bandaid off and ask ourselves is like, is talking about it and just talking, what's that going to get us? And, uh, that's why I've just kind of taken the stance of trying to be a little bit different in that aspect where you see a lot of people, um, out there and it's the me, 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 me. And you know, it's all, it's all for the likes and all for the clicks and the shares and the, and the engagement. And I understand all that stuff's important in the marketing world. But it's like, it's just such a short-sighted approach, you know, because in, in the not too distant future, that stuff won't matter. And then there's going to be nobody to fill our shoes. And uh, as a father, you know, I think you just, you take that on your shoulders as that's going to be something that you um, can make an impact on. And that's the route that I've, I've decided to go with my kids and my wife is fully on board. You know, I mean, Zach, you know better than anybody. Everything she kills is bigger than me as I sit here and I look at 350-inch <laughs> bull elk she killed, 180-inch whitetail she killed. I mean, I don't have anything as big as my wife. So everything we do when it comes to the outdoors, uh, it's definitely a, a decision together. And she's got kind of, you know, my back on all of this. Yeah. Now, now, how did this, how did the journey into where you're at now, how did you get started there like photography and and all the different stuff that you're doing so i I was a day away in in college i went and i was a 
news editorial journalism major. And I was a day away from taking a job in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, being a sports writer photographer for a weekly newspaper. Uh, so you can about imagine now uh, if that newspaper is still going. I don't think it is. Uh, <laughs> but I was a day away from taking that job. And I got a call from Cabela's and they're like, hey, we heard you um, like to hunt and fish and you can write and you also take your own pictures. And like, we'd like to talk. So I had just moved home from college, had all my stuff still packed up in my dad's trailer and uh, went out to Cabela's and they, off they did the interview on a Wednesday. They offered me the job on Friday and I moved out on Sunday and I started work uh, as a copywriter. So that was kind of where my career started was uh, writing all the catalog and internet copy for all the products that you see at Cabela's. So a pair mm -hmm. of boots to socks, to waders, to arrows, you know, all that descriptive copy that says, this is why you need this. Yeah. Uh, and cop writing copy is a huge job. It really yeah. is. It was, uh, it, you know, back then I didn't look at it as hard as it was, but man, now that I've removed myself from it, good copy is an art form, you know, and <laughs> I, 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 I look at, I look at marketing today through a totally different lens. Mm -hmm. Um, when you, when you understand how to write, you know, persuasive copy. And, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I got, I cut my teeth. Uh, I was out in Sydney, Nebraska from 2007 to 2010. And that's kind of what lit the fire for what all this is now, 16 years later, wow. doing this, uh, doing this job. Very cool. That's, that's pretty awesome. So moving into the signature series events. Like, tell us a little bit more about that, um, kind of how you guys got in, how you get involved with it, how you guys kind of develop the program and what folks can do to kind of find out more about that. Yeah. So it's a plug, it's a program that's exclusive to Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's club members. So you have to have our credit card. Um, mm -hmm. Started back in 2010 with this idea that, hey, we've got this customer base. Um, we know pretty much everything about them. We, you know, we know their their spend. We know their affinity. We know what categories they shop at within Cabela's. Um, why don't we offer them some type of benefit that no other credit card could? So back then, there was a company within Cabela's called Outdoor Adventures, and they were a hunting and fishing booking agency um, that had been in years business for years. But it was always a separate arm of the company. Well, that's when Club approached them and said, you know, we have this signature status on the card that when you unlock a certain threshold on spend, it becomes signature. What if we created this program like Signature Outdoor Adventures? Um, so that's where the name came from. Mm. And what it was, was we were going to go, you know, curate the very best of the best trips. So if there's five outfitters, we were only going to work with the top two. And it started with one trip in 2010 and was a fly fishing trip to the uh, Clark's Fork River in Idaho. And basically, you know, we went after fly fishing because we're like, all right, we're going to go after the guy who spends all of his money on sage rods and reels. And he's got, uh, you know, fine scotch and bourbon and smoked cigars and he's got discretionary income. That's our guy. That's who we're going to go after. Trip comes, they market it, sells out right away, 10 spots, get to the trip, get to know the customers. Eight of the 10 had never picked up a fly rod before. Wow. And we were like, uh... whoa. Like, wait a minute, what happened here? Like, we thought we were going after the guy who only buys McAllen and he's got, you know, Romeo and Juliet's in his traveling humidor. <laughs> That's who we thought we were going after. And we got eight people um, out of 10 who had never picked up a fly rod before. And they all told us, they're like, well, you know, I've always loved to hunt and fish, but I always wanted to fly fish. And, you know, uh, I got this postcard in the mail and it had this amazing lodge and beautiful views and the food looked amazing, five-star accommodations. And it had Cabela's name on it. So why would we not? That being, seemed like a great place to learn. So that was the very first trip. And that was like where the light bulb went off. Like, man, we're going about this wrong. Like we thought right. we had to go find a customer to fill the trip. We just need to get the trip. And then the customers are going to fill it. Well, fast forward to 2023. And next year we have 83 trips. Wow. Uh, wow. I knew all... you guys did a lot, but. Yeah, That's 83 trips, and, and we send along a host and a professional photographer on every single one. Um, and the unique wow. thing is, what, what makes it so cool is that it is 100% exclusive to us. So we sign a contract with that outfitter, whether it's in New Zealand or Africa or 
Alabama, wherever. And we sign an agreement that says from this date to this date, it's only our customers. So what that allows us to do is really create a unique catered experience. So from the moment that, you know, uh, let's say, you know, Chad, where's somewhere, where's somewhere you want to go in the world? Like what's a bucket list trip? <laughs> hey, a lot of places, dude. Put him I on the spot. Have, yeah, you had put me on the spot. I'd say the one place that I have never been that I want to go is actually the Susquehanna River. Okay. So, you know, let's let's say we, we got a trip up on the Susquehanna and from the from the moment Chad books that trip, Chad has a VIP concierge from my team assigned to him. So he's no longer sending cold emails to like, you know, hey, what do I pack or what should I expect or how's the weather looking or what should I pack gear wise or uh, travel wise from the airport, et cetera. So my team comes in and does all of that. So my team is there to basically answer every question you have from the moment you book until the time you get off at the airport. We've done all the homework to know that you're on Delta flight 402. You're getting in at 445 and we know that your bags are going to be down at carousel six. So me or somebody from my team is standing at Carousel 6, and when Chad walks off the plane, we're like, hey, Chad, Adam Bender from Cabela's Signature Charter Adventures. And the look on Chad's face is like, holy cow, Like this dude's real. Like I've been talking to him for a year about this trip, and here he is standing in front of me. Um, and then when you take that person on that trip and you're there, uh, when they finally catch that big fish or they finally put their hands on a bull that they've dreamed of hunting their whole entire life, it creates a really, really cool connection for people that – they couldn't get elsewhere because we know that, you know, people are very busy and they, they know that they want to go to the Susquehanna, but they don't know where to start. They don't know what outfitter to use. Where should I stay? How am I going to get food? How am I going to get to the river back and forth? We take all that worry out so people can just show up and enjoy themselves. Um, And then we do lots of, you know, personal hand touch points, like handwritten notes. We put together a really nice gift box, uh, we send them a custom coffee table book of all the photos that our professional photographers take on the trip. Uh, we write handwritten notes and all those like, hey, Chad, it was awesome seeing you catch that that big old brown, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's the type of stuff that that we do to really differentiate ourselves. And there's lots of people that sell hunting and fishing trips, um, but there's nobody that really does it at the level that we do with the customer service side of uh, and it all all stems back to a carrying a two by three piece of plastic. Yeah. That is very, very cool. That's one thing that's always really impressed me. Just seeing you, you know, post this stuff afterwards and putting together your books and just, you know, the photography aspect of it. Cause as we both know, snapping a shutter takes a second, but it freezes that moment in time so that you have it for the rest of your life. And And I think, and I think with the cell phones, right, everybody lives on mm -hmm. these things today and they can't not put them down. And it's like when we pay, we make the investment to send a professional photographer that brings in top of the line equipment and just says, Hey, keep your phone in your room. We got you covered. And right. we, not only do we get, you know, the, the holding up the fish or, you know, holding the big, you know, rack in New Zealand, et cetera. But it's those little things that people don't look for. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the amazing sunset or it's the, the wildlife shot that they wish they could have always taken, or it's the plate of food or that night, or it's them all sitting at the bar laughing hysterically. Those are those moments that you never get with a cell phone. And that's what we pride ourselves on uh, as a true differentiator, because we really just tell people like to show up and enjoy and let us do what we do best. And it's uh, yeah, we got a huge supply and demand problem. We launch these trips. They're gone in minutes. Um, the demand for them is just absolutely crazy. Never in my wildest dreams, uh, you know, did I think that it would grow to where it's at today. And we show, you know, absolutely no signs of slowing down. Yeah. I think that, I think it just, it goes to kind of, it solidifies a little bit kind of what my wife and I have been noticing here lately. And, and we've tried to focus more on this is less on material items. Obviously there's some material items you need, but yep. the experiences, people want experiences. What we, that's what we crave now. People want to, you know, and especially after the last couple of years, you know, not to dive into that, but right. I ju- we just had a meeting with MasterCard the other day and they said mm-hmm. that experiential travel is up 200% uh, on wow. the cross their portfolio. And it's like, wow. And it's like, and that's, that's the space that, that we play in, you know, hunting and fishing yeah. trips all over the world. Um, and it, and it absolutely makes sense. You know, when, when we launch these trips and you get, you know, a dozen elk spots in Utah and they're gone in two and a half minutes. 
you know, and they're 15 grand a pop. It's like, holy smokes. It's just people want to go travel and they want those experiences. It's, it's becoming less and less about stuff Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and it's become about moments. And I think Mm -hmm. that, uh, at least for the world that I'm in right now, it's a, it's a great, great problem to have. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a good testament to everything all these years, you know, Johnny Morris, Bass Pro, Cabela's, all of it, they've done so good. I mean, in in how they assemble things. Um, you know, I listened to a podcast a while back with Bill Dance talking about how he and Johnny Morris got started or when Johnny got started and how he packaged things and done different things to create the environments. And, you know, none of that's changed. He's that those ideas and everything still resonates and to be able to carry that on and keep it going is pretty incredible. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I mean, he's a true visionary and uh, you know, that's the thing Like he he's passionate about the future of hunting and fishing more than anything and conservation. So it's, it plays well into our hand and we're doing these conservation experiences now where club members not only get to, you know, obviously they got to pay, right. but the, 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 the thing for them is they get to go do things that you can't do anywhere else. Like that trip I was on in uh, August and we took the, the seven kids to uh, four, four parents and a grandfather to Africa. I mean, those mm-hmm. kids are ruined for life when it comes to the zoo yeah. because they, they yeah. will never look at a zoo the same because I mean, they were, they were collaring a wild lioness. I mean, they were holding an elephant's trunk, keeping it, you know, the ability to breathe while it was sedated. It's like, man, I feel sorry for those teachers that are like, hey, it's field trip today. We're going to the zoo. <laughs> those kids are going to be like, yeah, whatever. That doesn't right. compare to what on that trip I did with Bass Pro and Cabela's. Yeah, they're going to be wild. looking for the Dippin' Dots cart. The, uh, you, you got to do some pretty cool photography sitting in a blind at night on that trip, best I remember. That yeah, so was, they had that a... That was bucket list right there. They have a... They call them over there photo hides. And they're okay. very, very, I mean, they're no different than a duck or goose blind that we would have here on a river, but they go to great lengths to keep them absolutely hidden um, mm. with like mesh and tiny little holes so you can stick the lens out. And yeah, I, almost every <laughs> night after everybody was going to bed, uh, they got like a big street lamp over the water hole to keep it all lit. And these animals, I mean, I don't know what, I shot everything and it was uh, like eerily, eerily calm and it's pitch dark besides this light and you know to have a seven ton bull elephant walk in and drink four feet from you from your lens it's like that's life-changing man and it was it was cool and i I think out of all the stuff i shot those hyenas were my favorite because like hyenas are just a, a wild and crazy animal but you know as a kid of the 80s 90s like all i thought of was the three hyenas from lion king, lion king. and like <laughs> yeah. they come walking in and you could tell one of them was like the boss dog and the other one was right. kind of young and he was kind of acting stupid uh it was just funny like, i was sitting there i'm like man this is like lion king all over it yeah it was uh yeah that was super super cool if you ever get the chance to go to africa and see that Man, I, 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 hundred percent finding a place that will do a nighttime photo hide and allow you yeah. to take pictures because it's crazy. It's on my list for sure. Well, it's when you're ready to list. go, you let me know because I know the place to send you. <laughs> <laughs> I will do that. I'll keep that in mind. Absolutely, I'll keep that in mind. Out of so, eighty-three trips in 2023. Out of all of those, just off the top of your head, what's some of your absolute favorites? Yeah, it's like asking me my favorite kid. Well, yes, um, I know. It's it's <laughs> it's hard. You know, it's probably the question I get more than anything. You know, I've been doing mm-hmm. this as long as I have. I've been to a lot of countries and five continents. It's uh, it's crazy. But to me, um, if I got to pick one, it's it's Africa, and and I only say Africa because Africa done right will change your life, um, and I'm talking real wild Africa. Um, the culture, the people, the animals, it just is, there's, there's nothing that holds a candle to an African sunrise or African sunset. And I say African done right, because I think a lot of people, myself included, I grew up with a father that was like to hell with hunting in Africa. It's a bunch of canned hunts. I don't need to do that. I can pay money and go to Texas and shoot a zebra. 
I grew up with that father who pretty much, you know, that was the way I thought of Africa. Mm. Then as I started working in the hunting industry, and then especially when I got my job now, and I start meeting all these PHs and outfitters from all over the world. And it's like, man, that's not necessarily the case. Like, yes, that stuff does exist. Um, Mm -hmm. There is, you know, very, very quote unquote canned hunts over there that are, you know, McDonald's drive through, you order your five animals, you come in, shoot them, they kick you out the door and then they unload five more and they do it all over again for the next people. That does happen. And there is a place for that because there is clientele that want that. But Mm -hmm. I think when you go and you stay in wild Africa in a, in a deluxe tent safari camp and you hear lions roaring at night, um, miles and miles away, but they feel like they're Right. right outside your they feel like they're right outside your chalet. Yeah. That'll change your life, man. I mean, nothing to me, like nothing gets me going like Africa just because of some of the experiences I've been able to, to, to have over there. And if I had to pick a one, a one B, it would probably be New Zealand or Austria, New Zealand and Austria were both absolutely incredible. New Zealand, just because of the amazing hunting and the views, um, Austria, because, those mountains are unlike any other mountains I've ever seen in the world. They, they shoot up out of the ground, just straight vertical. Um, I've never experienced vertical like that. Um, you know, like the sound of music that was all shot right there. And like when you're climbing up there and you're hunting chamois up above 10,000 feet in a scree field and you look out <laughs> and like you, you can see Switzerland. They're like, oh, wow. yeah, is that Switzerland? And you're like, you're <laughs> like, oh, it's like, whoa. I mean, you're, you're up way above tree line. That's uh, pretty cool. So yeah, I would say I would say Africa number one, um, and one A one B would be New Zealand and Austria. That's crazy. Yeah. New Zealand red stag's always been kind of a dream. Yeah, I think for that sure. Would be one that's. Yep, it's a good be one. A pretty cool one. It's a it, it's a good one. It's like it's like the elk rut on steroids. Right. Um, you know, it's like if you like hunt elk and chasing bugles man when you go over there and you hit the roar just right and those bulls yeah. are ripping i've had i've had customers on post event surveys tell me that only downfall was that they couldn't sleep because the stags were roaring <laughs> all night uh so it's like well i did my job then you know at least yeah, I got to yeah. That's there's just something about down. it though i mean it's it's the king's deer yep. yeah and that alone makes you want it i think mm-hmm. just beautiful animals Oh, they really very, are incredible. Very, 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 very cool hunt and up close and personal. And you really get to be selective about your shots. And cause man, I mean, those, those, it's just like elk, you know, they got one thing on their mind and mm-hmm. nothing's going to stop them from coming in when they commit, they're going to commit. And uh, yeah. it's great, great bow opportunity. If you get any hardcore bow hunters, man, to do it with a bow over there, that's legit. <laughs> yeah. It's man. That, it, I always wondered what it would be like. And then my 2020 bull, not that he was a giant by any means, but I shot him at 13 yards and that yep. alone was something yep. that I will never forget. Yep. It was, it was insane being that close. Yep. That's a fact. And that's what you experience over there. I mean, it's close range a lot and it's a lot of different, a lot of different stags and, and the create, you know, all different crazy rack formation, shape and sizes. And yeah, it, it's pretty neat definitely yeah. something you got to experience at some point oh yeah that's it's on the list that's for sure that's for sure well i wanted to touch on one more thing yeah and that is i know you've been on a bit of a fitness journey how how's that going what's yeah. what's the goals look like have you got any big hunts planned that you're kind of gearing that toward or is it just kind no. of a overall longevity thing yeah it's a longevity thing so my wife and i did a did an eight week challenge with our local gym here. And we actually, we actually won it. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Won like two grand in cash. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Um, but no, it's, uh, really it's a longevity thing. And, um, I think like in, in, you know, the time and age of where my wife and I are at with four kids, so crazy busy, the spread on our kids is nine to, uh, my boy will be a month, a year, uh, next month. And yeah. from, you know, nine, seven, three in a year, it's like, we've got the whole gamut and we're just so busy. And it's like, we come up with all these excuses as to why we can't work out, why we can't eat right and all that stuff. And we really just decided like, man's enough's enough. Like we got to make it a priority. Cause I'm not getting any younger. I'll be 40 here mm-hmm. in two years and uh, it's creeping up on me. And I remember <laughs> like my dad 
being the the fit dad and like my dad yeah. you know would he was playing softball and he was uh always played noon basketball like seven days a week he'd go to the ymca and play basketball with all these guys and he had basketball men's league at night during the winter and it's like man i want to be that way for my kids and i'll be honest like it really ramped up when I had that boy because I was like, <laughs> all right, here we go. I got my football player. I got my basketball player. I got my baseball player. Uh, I got to be able, you know, 38. I got to be able to throw the ball around for him in 10 years and, and, and not look bad doing it. Yeah. And not hurt while you're doing it. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's true. That, that's well, absolutely. We... I'd love to say that I had a big tag uh that i'm pushing for I, I got a lot of points all over the west uh not quite sure when i'm gonna draw what but yeah you can better believe when uh when i do finally get one of those tags yeah it'll be i'll be ramping it up and putting one of those uh pictures up in my my office to really yeah. give the uh, Colorado mule deer is probably my next one i got 12 yeah. points up there okay and, uh, i'm a little bit behind you but i'm i'm pretty close yeah, and I, I really am looking forward to going chasing those in the high country somewhere. And I got enough points to draw it for all those bow yep. tags, but I yep. think I'm gonna, I think I'll do the early season muzzleloader, uh, just okay. only oh, just only because I got so many points, and yeah. uh, and then I can go back in three, four, five years and do the bow. Right. Yeah. Well, and you got to stay in shape so you can go on elk hunts with your boy too. So that's, that's a fact. Yeah. As I <laughs> sit here and look at this bull elk that my wife killed, stares at me every single day now. It's like, man, there's <laughs> that no thing's a, right that there. thing's a dream, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, that bull you know, is <laughs> Nebraska once in a lifetime elk tag. Like I'll never forget that day. As long as I live, like I thought it was a joke and I thought it was an error in the system because it's just like, you don't, you don't ever hear of anybody drawing those tags. I mean, there's right. so few and it's once in a lifetime. You're just like, no way. And, yeah, she killed an absolute hammer, and uh, <laughs> someday, someday I'll get bragging rights in this house. <laughs> It'll happen. Well, It'll happen. It will. It will. Well, Adam, we appreciate you being on here tonight and taking the time to sit down and talk to everybody out there um, that's listening or that will listen in the uh, after the show. And yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's some cool stuff very much i love it we touched on i think we touched on pretty much everything i wanted to talk about i'm sure i'll forget something but we always do it happens we're knuckleheads like that i know we can always revisit down the road (laughs) yeah there you go there you go well we'll have to come back if you think of something else you let me know i'm always down to talk hunting fishing or kids and conservation you know those are my things that trip me and uh be happy to come back and tell stories sometime absolutely 100 we've got we've got We've got so many mutual friends in our circle that I I've wanted to to get you on here and sit down and actually have a good good chat for now. We just got to, now we just got to share a hunting camp, three of us. Maybe maybe Absolutely. we'll invite maybe we'll invite Evan. I tell you I what, I, I would yeah. be we, we, I'm the we might, if we can so peel I'm him probably, away from his four kids. <laughs> I'm probably down for duck hunting. That's okay. uh, we got well. He did just he did just do a big South Dakota pheasant hunt too. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that is uh, that's another that's me and Zach's actual. That's one of our bucket I've, items. I've got a couple over and unders that need some exercise. So yeah, <laughs> South Dakota is the place to do it, gentlemen. There is uh, there's nothing like it. And you know, I'm the you know, I know you asked it earlier. I probably should have said this, but I'm the I'm the president of the South Dakota Second Century Habitat Fund, which is a okay. 501c3 nonprofit that basically raises money for uh, public hunting access and uh taking care of the land and habitat in south dakota so that one's pretty near and dear to my heart i I go to south dakota every year like everybody asks like how do you decide what trips you want to do and i always do south dakota just because it's so special and there's there's nothing like nothing like the volume of roosters they got up there and it's such a big part of the economy in south dakota Mm, it's it affects everybody from the the grocery store to the hotel to you know the the post office you know it's just it's crazy how far south dakota has put uh, that economy on the map when it comes to honey and it tasted yeah. way better than chicken that's a fact <laughs> pheasant marsala i got a recipe for pheasant marsala that will blow your mind so can't if you, wait if you to want try that, that you want that i'll, I'll show that over very Absolutely. nice man well we will Absolutely. let you go i'm gonna drop you down below and me and zach will close this thing out and we'll be right back with you man sounds good all right man awesome. thanks for being here thanks buddy you bet appreciate you guys
And there you guys have it. Episode number 21. 21. 21. Look at us go. Yeah. No, that was a good one. That was a great one. Very interesting. Very fascinating. Always learning. We learn every time we have one of these podcasts. Well, that's a big goal, I feel like, um, is talking to folks who do different things than we do and trying to learn as much as we can about it. So, Well, there was that one podcast. But anyway. (laughs) (laughs) The lost episode. The lost episode. Anyway, guys, we appreciate you watching. We will see you guys back here for the Orion podcast. The 29th of November. You're getting three this month. Look at you guys go. So we'll be back the 29th of November. New guest, same time, same places. He's there and I'm here. And We'll try not to mess the intro up on that one. <laughs> one so, of these days, maybe. maybe you'll one, get of these days, I, one of these days, I'll remember what I said. It's like Bromit said, I just overthink it. Yeah. And I'm tied to this desk, so I can't move. Yeah, you do have a problem with that. I have a moving problem. I have to hold on to things. So anyway, thank you guys for watching. We'll see you on the 29th. Bye-bye. Later. Doop, doop.